worst crime I think that filmmakers can make is uh, to make a boring picture. If, if it's boring, then it's all over. The audience, you've failed in entertaining them. You've committed a crime. There are two schools of thought, I think, for horror filmmakers. One is that the audience can always create something more horrible than you can show them. And the other school of thought is show them, show them, show them everything. Before The Evil Dead, my, par my friends and myself, just a group of school chums and, and, and I, would make Super 8 uh, comedies, Three Stooges comedies. Bruce Campbell starred in every Super 8 movie that we made because, very simply, he was the good-looking one and still is. Rob Tappert, Bruce Campbell, and myself uh, went to the home of distributors, New York, first, and we crashed on people's floors. We'd ride the subways with our film cans in hand, show them to distributors and screening rooms, wait outside nervously, drinking coffee, pacing around, reciting the lines that we would say to him about how good we thought it would be and rehearsing our dialogue. We'd come in when the movie was over, he'd be sleeping, you know. Is it over? So we had a lot of very discouraging experiences, all no's. I felt under great pressure, and it was not artistic pressure, it was all financial pressure, because there were no expectations on me as a kid. It was all a question of, I have $90,000 of these people's money who I promised I would make a good movie out of. This has got to be good. I love movies, and I love entertaining the audience, or I love trying to entertain the audience. I mean, uh, I'm not making any bold claims. I'm just saying uh, my goal is to thrill people with the movies, and hopefully when I'm a good enough filmmaker to enlighten, uh, not enlighten, but what I mean to say is uh, uplift them. Uplift them, that's the word I mean to say. Swallow this. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Cat is phoning in this week. Cat mm -hmm. unfortunately has COVID. How you doing, Cat? I'm I'm good. I'm great. This is the most fun I've ever had. Just alone in my apartment. Uh, is that a is that a bathrobe? Oh no, this is my Evil Dead blanket. <laughs> oh wow! I wore it. I wore it just for the occasion. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. So you you you've been on lockdown for a, a while now. Uh yeah, like you know. A f some time like f some days um it's been fine i got the vac i'm fully vaxxed guys so it's real breakthrough still. breakthrough so infections are forget. real and you are symptomatic yes yes i am i'm it's not it's really not too bad i had like a little bit of a fever i'm just kind of feel like a pile of shit um but other than that i'm uh, you know it's a uh, great i'm having a good time imagine if you weren't vaccinated You'd be in the you this yeah this would definitely be like ten times worse so I'm but I'm also a huge baby when I'm sick and I also haven't been sick for f almost you know two years because I've been wearing a mask everywhere um, so I'm just being a huge baby right now um, but oh, some things never change are. yeah what was that do you think that Nick has forgotten about you during quarantine yeah definitely yeah I think he's moved on because you're at such a, um, a crucial sure. 
stage, you know, in the relationship that to just have to remove yourself like that for 10 days seems like I would be worried about, you know, here today, you know, gone tomorrow, out of sight, out of mind, you know? He's a handsome guy. He's probably on to bigger and better things by now. That's I'm what, here that's for it. Um, you know, I can only wish him the best. I haven't heard from him in a few days, so no, who probably knows? Not. This week, Sam Raimi, it's still kind of wild to me that if you're going by the numbers, most people, the vast majority of people who would be familiar at all with the work of Sam Raimi would be familiar with it from things like the Spider-Man movies starting mm. in 2002, Tobey Maguire, Kristen Dunst. Um, Sam Raimi directed that and directed Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 3 spent like a whole decade as the Spider-Man guy. And I was kind of shocked when I was looking back at those movies now. I didn't realize all three of those movies individually grossed $800 million. Kind of a big deal. Ooh. A piece. I can't believe that. Yeah. That's so crazy. I know like the Avengers do like billions now, but that, this was 20 years ago. Yeah, look, we haven't done sequels yet. I don't think. No, next week. But Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's, one of the best sequels of all time. I love I love that. Yeah, I think it's great. I never saw those until like I've I only saw them in the past 5 years and I think they're great. I I love those early Spider-Man they're my, movies. They're my favorite uh of the comic book character movies because of i think the way sam raimi stylized them and humanized uh well he he made up a superhero called dark man oh yeah prior that's, to that's doing right. spider-man 1990 because he couldn't get the shadow he and was, he's about to do doctor strange i heard they, uh, mm. yeah doctor strange in the multiverse of madness is in post-production that is scheduled for next year i think march 2022 the title alone multiverse of madness signals to me like H.P. Lovecraft, Mountains of Madness. From what I understand, that movie is going to lean into the horror elements a little bit more of the Doctor Strange comic book. So I think he's kind of coming full circle. You know, he, he has had an interesting career. I didn't even realize he was a, he co-wrote The Hudsucker Proxy with the Coen Brothers. Wow. In 94, he made the movie A Simple Plan. If you haven't seen from 1998, Simple even Plan. Even better book. Great movie. Um, the Quick and the Dead with Sharon Stone. For the Love of the Game, a baseball movie with Kevin Costner. Um, Oz, the Great and Powerful. I, like tons of movies. Um, if you are um, a horror fan like us, of course, you know him as like a god of horror film just based on two or three movies from the 80s, starting with Evil Dead, 1981. I would argue you don't even really need Army of Darkness, 92 in there. Just from the two Evil Dead movies, the impact that those films had on horror film and on horror fans, those are movies, both of them, we can, we'll talk about this, that I, I can vividly remember the first time I saw both Evil Dead movies, and so he, he's been like kind of a God-level guy ever since then for people like us, but now he's such a, uh, a mainstream guy, and I think it's, it's come a little bit full circle now with this whole, what I think of as like the horror con industrial complex that's like this gigantic booming business with TV shows, Ash and the Evil Dead. Bruce Campbell is writing memoirs. He's got like two memoirs out. He's like, Bruce Campbell's like a star now. He's just like on a Wheaties box, you know? We knew him as this like cult obscure figure. He was in Maniac Cop and stuff he's, like he's that. He's making like like tier two level salary yeah. to cameo and he's shit. He's on the Tonight Show. You can go to the mall, get some some socks that say Evil Dead, have Bruce Campbell on them. Like it's kind of come full circle. So we're gonna start this week with, I would say a, a more minor but certainly interesting entry in the Sam Raimi catalog. Drag me to hell. 
Christine Brown has a loving boyfriend and a great job at a Los Angeles bank, but her heavenly life becomes hellish when in an effort to impress her boss, she denies an old woman's request for an extension on her home loan. In retaliation, the crone places a curse on Christine, threatening her soul with eternal damnation. Christine seeks a psychic's help to break the curse, but the price to save her soul may be more than she can pay. This one's fun, uh, because right off the bat, you can definitely tell this is a Sam Raimi movie. It's just so goofy, which I love. Um, I wouldn't say this movie is super scary, uh, but it's for sure creepy. Um, and it's full of these, you know, dark, comedic, gory gags that we've known to, uh, we've come to know and love. Uh, this one is hot off the heels of his little Spider-Man uh, trilogy. Uh, so you can definitely tell he was excited to get his hands back into the horror uh, aspect of things, or so I thought. Um, it feels like every scene has some kind of grotesque body horror situation in it, and I am absolutely here for it. Also, the premise is pretty interesting. Um, you know, deny a poor sick old woman alone, cursed. And I didn't hate it. Of course, sexism within the business world caused it, obviously. Uh, but I think the real culprit uh, to be blamed for this whole situation is what is the, you guessed it, capitalism. That's right. Uh, what is this movie if not a uh, commentary on how the professional world uh, lusts for greed and pushes those who need help most into more dire circumstances? Uh, but anyway, uh, this was definitely a fun watch, especially in the end when they're like, eh, and you're like, eh, but then they're like, no, and then you're like, uh, and then you're like, yeah, and then they're like, no, and you're like, okay. <laughs> That's my spoiler. I saw it in the movie theater. I thought it was fun. I think it's fun enough now. I don't think this is the most compelling horror movie. I think that, you know, it, being post-Spider-Man, it just has an effortless feel to me. It just seems like somebody who at this point is at kind of a, a peak of power and just very easily laying this out. This screenplay was actually written before the Spider-Man stuff. This was written, I believe, like in the 80s. And I think I think this was written because uh, Raimi was asked to do uh, Thinner to adapt the Stephen King book dinner or the story, the short story into a film and he turned it down. And I think he just, I think he didn't want to do it for whatever business reasons he may not have wanted to do it. And I think he then just went around and, and wrote his own thinner. This is like the same thing, the curse, the Romani curse um, against the greedy um, avaricious person. To, they can get their just desserts. It seems like the same thing. So I don't love this one. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't, if you're looking to like experience some top flight Sam Raimi, I wouldn't advise drag me to hell. This is a rental right now. Um, it's fine. I, you know, it, it's pretty disposable to me. Like I didn't think about it much after the first time and I probably won't think about it much after this. I think there is a, there's a place for like really mainstream run of the mill horror movies. I feel like this is this is one of those. Uh, I saw this in the theater. I wished that when I saw it again, it was in the theater because it's fun in the theater. It's like it's you could tell Sam Raimi like likes 
horror movies. And this reminds me of the, a lot of the stuff he did, uh, a really brief Quibi release called 50 States of Horror, which was... Oh, right. Yeah, it was yeah, basically, yeah. you could just tell that Sam Raimi, after he's made these millions and billions of dollars, that he just likes to make horror, and he likes these... Um, you know, it's it's very big budget, uh, but it has like... Uh, a haunted house like jump scare thing to it it's like really like kind of uh just immature and fun uh and the jump scares to me are really shameless um and i i would disagree with you guys that i actually thought some of it was scary and i actually felt stupid for being scared of the things that scared me um like the jump scares with like the flaming gargoyle in the in the fortune tellers place like that scares me and as soon as it does i'm like oh my god i just jumped and shrieked at a flaming gargoyle coming at me in 3d um it's like the best use of terrible cgi there is some really bad stuff i usually Mm. hate the evaporating black smoke thing it's a very like early like bloom house kind of gag I usually don't like that. In this, they just it seems almost like uh, he's just kind of flexing his CGI abilities now or his team's abilities because I also felt like um, Evil Dead was like that. We'll talk about Evil Dead 2 later, but Evil Dead 2 was also a very big production flex. Um, and I think that he can make a story with these that is simple enough and basic enough that uh, it, it carries these really, you know, kind of childish, simple horror movies. Uh, and they, it makes it like just like fun, go to the movies, popcorn movie. Um, although the tool shed scene was a little Beetlejuice for me as far as special effects go. Um, I love the scarf scene when she's like just battling with a scarf Mm. um and the different ways that a scarf can uh you know fuck you up uh especially while driving um in the parking garage scene the first thing she sees is ash's car in the parking from evil dead and i know that car because it's an oldsmobile 98 i used to have an oldsmobile 98 the same car that's uh in all these sam raimi movies but, um, yeah, I, I like Drag Me Into Hell. I mean, it might be because I terrorized my daughter with this. Like, I'm like, PG-13, let's go. It's pretty wild for PG-13. There's, like, crazy amounts of, like, like gag horror and, like, tons of blood. Lots of vomiting. I, I think this has maybe the most vomiting I've seen in any movie. Maybe I was just sucked in because I love the Spider-Man movies. I love one, two, and hey, I know there's a lot of haters for part three. I like it. But now we get to see him come back to horror. And like you said, Dave, we get to see him do this mix of his practical effects and all this money he now has at his disposal. You know, they made this movie for $30 million. It was relatively successful, $91 million. But to get to your effects thing... If you look at the credits on this movie, there are 169 visual effects people listed. 
23 on the makeup department and 62 on special effects. Wow. So we know where most of the money went. <laughs> like, you know, the, the only thing I'd just like to bring up real quick that I, when people do that, you can tell. There's other movies we watched recently where from scene to scene, the special effects were drastically different and it it's almost a detriment it's almost like when you break up a film shoot with like first second and third unit directors and sometimes you can tell that well and this one it's like oh you had like almost 300 people on your effects department so yeah it's gonna it's gonna point but hey i love this here's why one it has all of the charm or at least some of the charm of the evil dead series in terms of Raimi being very much like, I'm going to walk the line between, you know, some campy stuff and some really visceral stuff and some really good camera work. Like the scarf scene, the, the parking garage scene is unbelievable. And how relentlessly long it goes on, that's mm-hmm. very reminiscent of Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2. Uh, I love the cast. I think Allison Lohman as Christine, as Chris, our main character. I mean, you have fucking Justin Long in this movie who shows up as like the nerdy boyfriend. <laughs> like, is that the guy from Scrubs or Jeepers no. Creepers Tusk. and Tusk? Oh, Tusk. right, uh, I forgot about both of those. Sure, I like yeah. Jeepers Creepers. We could, we should talk about that someday. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I like Tusk. Um, yeah, I like Tusk too. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Tusk. I hate um, Tusk. I love the cast. Cat, uh, I think you were talking about um, uh, Dilip Rao, who plays Ram Jaz who is the psychic that she first goes to see. I think he mm-hmm. is one of like a very refreshingly like interesting character in this movie. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think it's well acted. I'm going to disagree with both Trent and Kat. This movie scared the shit out of me on a number of occasions. <laughs> Old lady's scary. I think it's she's scary. scary. I mean, there's so much face sucking. There's so <laughs> much face sucking in this movie. Uh, but also... Dave, you're you're wrong about the fact that like this is the most puking and liquids and stuff. Not even close. You guys are movie. really popping like this what? up. Like what? Uh, because Raimi is just known for liquids, things popping into your mouth. There's way uh, more out of your mouth, mouth yes. puking and blood in the Evil Dead movies than in this. Yes, but uh, that's why I love this because I remembered that. Like the scene in Drag Me to Hell where she wakes up and, um. What's it? Uh, Mrs. Ganoush. Ganoush, yeah. Ganoush, who put the curse on her, pukes maggots into her face and mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is It's a non-poop scene, but it got me like it was a poop scene. Well, I scene. thought the wake scene was worse when she upends, <laughs> when she falls out of the coffin at the wake and then Ugh. just spits up a bunch of green... Ugh. I yeah, guess is that like, like preservative fluid? or something? And, the, and those are all... <laughs> that was th- pretty gross. I'll those are that. all throwbacks that we'll get to when we talk about Evil Dead 2, about tricks that Raimi used to do to try to downplay his MPAA rating, which, like, to your point, Dave, this got PG-13, because different colors of things affect the rating of your movie. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think that this was a really... I can say it two ways. It's a very triumphant return to Raimi for horror, for him to just flex everything he did when he was 20 right? and then accomplished. But also he may have just been winking and saying, I uh, may be a little lazy if you want to critique it, like I think Trent is about to do a little bit more and say, eh, I can, I, I can do this in my sleep. Here, here's another Sam Raimi horror flick. It's like if... 
at the peak of Michael Jackson's career if he went back and did a great Motown album. You know what I mean? Like, mm, I mean, he does. Sam I, Raimi does this not, is not have I to. feel like uh, Ouija: Origin of Evil was way better horror movie than this, and scarier. No, what I'm PG-13, saying is the fact that like, he's doing not, horror, but we're dealing the fact with that he's we're, doing horror. He doesn't have to. Sure, we're dealing yeah, with yeah. yeah, we're dealing with we're dealing sure. with different. I understand legacies, that. Right, he's coming I, off I, the Spider-Man trilogy. He wants to get back to doing doing some horror, doing something smaller. I think he, uh, from what I understand, he wanted the PG-13 budget. I think he was like trying to atone. A little bit in this movie mm-hmm. far from like trying to you know take the crown back from evil dead i think he was trying to atone i think he's probably a little bit embarrassed of the insane excess of the the first two evil dead movies and like i've, I've saw an interview where he said he wished he would not do the tree rape scene from the first movie again because he feels mm. like you know he's an entered sam raimi and i guess this uh, where we would all probably agree Sam Raimi is a guy, if you watch his interviews and you listen to him, he's not one of these like provocateur directors that we talk about, these polemicists and guys that want to, like Tom Six, who made the Human Centipede movies, or Lars von Trier, we've talked about, Gaspar No, these guys that want to shock you, and, and he, they want people to love or hate it, they want to get booed, all this stuff. Sam Raimi is a guy that wants to entertain and thrill an audience, take you on a ride, and, and I feel like he's, he's more looking for, like, a lighter level, more of like taking weight off of you and making you excited and have a good time in the theater. He he's not trying to. He doesn't want to offend you or have people walk out. So I don't know. I feel like to me it was almost a little bit of of like taking back some of his youthful indiscretions. You know. It's funny that you mention uh, Lars von Trier because when I think of the the tree rape scene, I'm surprised that Trier didn't do it. <laughs> oh. Um. Lest we forget the eyeball cake. That was a cute little um, oh, I like that. situation that was cute. The live cake. Um, that was funny. What was that? It was like a, li- a living cake. That was funny. There's a yes. scene at the parents of the boyfriend where her cake is like alive and it eats the fork. Yeah. There's just like little things like that just throughout the movie, which it's like funny. It like kind of takes you out of like the horror of it a little bit because it just adds like a gag and you're like, oh, haha. So it's like that's how... I found myself not really being scared by this movie. Not that I didn't like it. I liked this movie. But it's easy when things like that pop up and it's just so ridiculous. Like that um, when uh, the uh, evil, you know, cursing lady like basically shoves her entire arm Mm. into um, Christine's uh, mouth and it's just like this very weird situation it's not scary it just looks really fucking weird it's just like stuff like that where it takes that horror element and then kind of takes you out and it's like haha see it's funny um, I would like to nominate myself though as the pork queen of the week so, <laughs> oh my god if anyone else tries to take it from me what a, that was such I'm a weird, silly subplot. That was so strange. <sighs> it took me like so it took weird. me like a couple times watching it for the show this week to note to even remember that scene or notice the scene where Christine finds the picture of herself. Right from high mm-hmm. school, she finds an old picture like from high like school, four H like or a something. 4-H. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like next to a, a pig, and it's titled like Pork Queen. And yeah. she's larger. She's like larger as a kid, so and, she obviously yeah. had lost at, a bunch of weight. At some point, like, so legendary scene is the car attack scene, the parking garage scene. It's it's a clinic in horror. It's it a is. clinic in 
setting up like you got the scarf which is almost like the fucking bag from american beauty <laughs> like and you have this whole prolonged scene where there's like eyeballs being stapled rulers being shoved in someone's mouth face sucking dentures, dentures. <laughs> like all of this stuff happening um but you get you know you eventually get um you know to the end of that scene and you get to the whole mrs ganoush says at the end of it soon you will be begging me because mrs ganoush is very shamed like a lot of a lot of the scene leading up to this when christine denies her the bank loan or the bank loan extension is you have shamed me we get into the classism thing we get into the whole woman in the workplace thing which cat has already alluded to and then eventually christine 100 percent does have to go and say I need to find this woman and like beg for her forgiveness. And her daughter opens the door or granddaughter or something. And she, and she literally looks at her and she's like, you used to be a big girl. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the only thing. But then that's it. That, that's yes, the only, there, like, like there should have been so much, like it was almost like it's deleted thin- scenes or I, like, I feel like that must've been a, a wink to thinner. Because they just mentioned like two times, like, okay, she was overweight as a kid, but then it doesn't, it's not part of the story. I don't know if that was just trying to like let everyone know that he was just doing thinner or what. I think it was like you have the scene where she goes and visits Justin Long, whose character Clay. Uh, she goes and visits him, and that's when you find out from his mother over the phone that he he's like, "Oh, I'm just having lunch with Chris," and she's like, "Oh, that farm girl," and Chris can hear her in the hall. And she's like, oh, well, you should go play tennis with, like, so-and-so's daughter. Like, it just, it's pushing, like, this whole, I think it's pushing the desperation of why Chris ends up making some of the decisions that she does. That I think the vibe you're getting is that she definitely would not have made these decisions if she were not in these situations that she's in. It almost has this, like, you know, like, quaint, like, uh, her, her perspective on on everything and, and what happens to her almost has a, this like really like almost like indie movie feel where you can kind of just see the whole world being slightly condescending to her and her her dying by you know uh death by a thousand cuts or whatever but the most interesting thing to me that i noticed right away with this movie from watching interviews with the sam raimi and there there are actually like there's quite a few um, older interviews on YouTube with Raimi from before he made Evil Dead 2, but after he made Evil Dead, because that made such a like uh, underground splash in, in the horror scene, there's a, an interview where he talks about what he and his pals kind of determined as the three rules of horror. And rule number one is the innocent must suffer. So you have that established in the first scene of this movie, innocent suffering. Rule number two evil must be punished you have to at some point in the movie the evil force has to the audience wants to see the hero give it to that evil force in one way or another and rule number three you have to taste blood as part of your passage into adulthood or your passage into your more actualized self at some point you have to spill blood you have to taste it and i thought it was interesting how this movie very kind of uh, methodically followed those three rules i thought that the uh the all the different effects people that you mentioned, Kevin, uh, is is a good conversation to have because it does make many scenes in this movie seem almost like an anthology or just they're they're not connected to each other. One that I would 
definitely point out is you were talking about the fist of the mouth scene in the the shed that was like way over the top also of the eyeballs popping out that was totally different stylistically than say the the seance or whatever you want to call that exor- the exorcism that scene was stylized very like modern like kind of trashy yeah conjuring kind of shit and then um like the parking garage scene that we keep keep talking about that is stylized more like i would say raimi his like but is the mouth in the throat scene also the shed scene the fist in the throat i think it is isn't it that is so evil dead where she uses like the pulley and the ice skate, like it's so, it's yeah. so good. And why would you have that though, like set up like that, like an anvil on a rod? Maybe it's just yeah, like, yeah. I was yeah. at that point. I was just like, uh, okay, of course you have an anvil on a pulley set up in the shed. Like, okay, I, I don't know. I'll agree with Trent there. Like at that point, like Raimi's just flexing and going nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. And that's but, fine. That's fine. But I loved it. I, I because I was not expecting that scene to go that way. Much like there's a kitten scene that I was not expecting <sighs> to go a certain way as well. Pet gets it. Yeah, and then gets vomited. Kid up. gets it. Pet yeah. gets it. As soon like, as I like, saw that little look kitten, look I was your like, "Your dog looking at you right now." When you say the pet gets it. Yeah, well, you already gave it to him. You're, well, I, threw, <laughs> I threw a small yeah. uh, local magazine uh, that's barely you made. You threw out a of, magazine? Uh, it's it, like a newspaper. And I tossed Calvin? it across the room. Yeah, I have great aim, and it landed. I think it just scared Calvin. I have oh. great aim. Dave's over and here he like, talking about practice. And he's only 10 pounds. I heard him scream. I'm like, what's going on over it there? Was Dave was just abusing newspaper. him. That's all. It was a piece of a newspaper. It was and heavy I threw paper. It over by him and I I, I'd him. like to get a little bit more into the cast because we do have Allison Lohman that I talked about who played Christine. The full body cast that Calvin's in? <laughs> <laughs> because of your newspaper toss, yes. Uh, uh, recognized from Big Fish. And she retired after oh. this movie. She married a uh, a, a, mu- a movie maker named Mark Neveldine, who would go do like the crank films, the Vatican tapes. We have Justin Long. We talked about Lorna Raver uh, plays Mrs. Ganoush, who was a huge stage and voice actor. We also have David Pamer, who plays Mr. Jax, the boss from the bank. This mm. dude is yeah. one of the most ca- recognizable character actors of all time, and I never realized he got an Academy Award nomination for Mr. Saturday Night in 1992. We also have, I think, my favorite hateable character in this movie, Reggie Lee, who plays fucking Stu from Stew. the bank. So a lot of this movie we've talked about, the pressure that Chris is under, to get this promotion at this bank. We've established that she is a small town farm girl. She's trying to get this promotion to assistant manager. She's trying to impress her boyfriend, Clay, who is a professor, clearly comes from money. And this fucking guy, Stu, shows up, and he's a new guy, and he starts to mess with her. And he is the dude that you are just hoping gets it. Yeah, but um, he doesn't. They don't. They mm-hmm. kind of like back down from that. Well, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess he gets his just desserts. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's Justin Long desserts. You know what? <laughs> My favorite scene might have been the grave digging scene, and I also would have been okay if it is very ended evil there. dead as well. By when the way, it, very evil dead. When uh, she got hit on the head with the 
gravestone, the cross, as sunk under the water. I was like, all right, I love this. Let's end it. Let's go. Um, but I was still happy with the final ending, which, like Kat says, there's a bunch of fake outs, which is kind of a horror movie go-to is the fake out you think but good fake out though this, this movie yeah. does do some fake outs toward the end that i think are pretty effective um one thing that i was thinking about that might be a complete coincidence but the the evil force in this movie as much as the curse the evil force is the loan company the like the bank the mortgage company and this was released in 2009 right after the massive financial crash of 2008, which was largely like a housing crisis. So I wondered if that was intentional commentary or if that was just a coincidence. Well, speaking of banks, the craziest casting thing in this movie, did you guys look at like the wiki or whatever, like the casting? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, who's in this movie? Did you notice somebody that was like in a couple scenes just standing like blurrily behind Allison Lohman or Chris? At the bank? Mm-mm. Octavia Spencer. Oh, wow. So in 2009, you had Octavia Spencer as bank co-worker. Who is Octavia Spencer? Uh, she's now Ma. won an Academy Award, Golden oh, Globe. She was Ma? Three, yeah, she's yeah, she was Ma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, she, didn't, okay. she didn't win any awards for that, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. one of the most prominent actresses of our time right oh, now okay. was literally just standing in the background of this movie as an extra. A couple of Raimi's kids, two of his kids were in this movie as extras also. You said something about uh, censorship and all that and, and, and ratings having to do with the color of like, I'm assuming you mean like blood and yes. bodily fluids and stuff, yeah. um, which I would not think that white would be acceptable, but I, I hate green and blue and purple Ramy loves using. I, yeah, Ramy likes green like, blood. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that as much. I'll accept it maybe if it's an alien, but even demons, I don't really like. I don't really like the different color blood. And is it because it's less gross? It's less graphic. Is is green less realistic? You can get away with saying right. that it's not blood or it's slime, like Ghostbusters, right? I'd like to also draw attention to the gumming scene. <laughs> which one? <laughs> no, I oh, know, you the know one which you one. Mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Where she basically deep throats, sorry, the old woman basically deep throats uh, Christine's like chin and mouth yeah. um, area. Uh, that was so when Her, her dentures, was... the old lady's dentures have come out and she's still yeah. just trying to bite and she takes her entire chin into her into her gums very into it i was very aroused i was really interested in the actual demon so they keep talking about lamia the lamia demon and i think this is another instance where like Raimi did a great job and we'll talk about it next with the evil dead franchise where he largely made up a lot of this mythology and this lore himself but for this one, I was like, all right, what's he going to pull from? And again, I think, personal opinion, he just said, fuck it. And he found Lamia. In ancient Greek mythology, Lamia was a child-eating monster. And the earliest stories have Lamia as a queen of Libya who had an affair with Zeus, who we keep coming back to for, for Greek mythology. And when Hera, Zeus's wife, found out, she forced Lamia to eat her own children and gave her permanent insomnia. 
So Zeus, out of pity, gave her the gift of prophecy and the ability to temporarily remove her own eyes to relieve her sleeplessness. I take there's a scene where Chris is in the kitchen and the demon is tormenting her, but you only see the shadow going by. And at one point, I don't know if you guys noticed, it looked like Medusa. Like it looked like this sort of like serpentine demon. And if you read about it, a lot of it is just like another like scare the kids myth. Where it's like, if you don't go to bed, Lamia is going to force me to come eat you. Um, but a lot of other articles I read said that they think that Raimi was riffing off of Baphomet. Uh, and there's lots of Baphomet in pop culture, ties to Aleister Crowley, tarot cards, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which I think Raimi and his brothers <laughs> were like rumored to or, or talked about playing. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. Like I thought it would be like with Raimi, it would either be completely unhinged from something that you could research or something that you could fully research. Thought it was interesting that he just latched on to this one name, Lamia. And again, it was like some sort of like old Greek mythology that, you know, the Lamia, Lamia was turned into a temptress, uh, a serpent woman, etc. Um, I, I didn't know if you guys picked up on any of that obviously i I feel like the the production like lends itself to um letting them not explain that stuff it it allows there to be holes in it because you're like oh this is that kind of movie and you don't expect everything to be fully explained it's just you know fun horror like evil dead yeah are we good on this one i do my All right, moving on with Sam Raimi. We're going to skip Evil Dead 1, which Trent's going to have some opinions on. We're going to go right into 1987's Evil Dead 2, which many have called his greatest film ever. Maybe his most impactful, just because of Bruce Campbell's performance, because of the gore, because of the really bizarre way that Sam Raimi decided to make a requel, which Bruce Campbell has called this, to his first movie which was made back in 1981. Uh, This one just brings Bruce Campbell back to the cabin, one of our original Cabin in the Woods movies, and has him go through essentially a lot of the same things that happened in Evil Dead 1, except this time we get a chainsaw arm, we get his boomstick, (laughs) and we get a lot of the much more campy and Three Stooges slapstick horror comedy this is one of the, I think, original horror comedies and one of the most... Uh, Edgar Wright has cited this a ton. Uh, I like this. I think that this is actually one of the greatest horror movies of all time. I think this is one of Sam Raimi's crowning achievements. I think this is why Sam Raimi would get to go on to do movies like Spider-Man that we talked about. The whole trilogy. Why he would go back to a movie to horror like Drag Me to Hell. You get a very bizarre recap 
of the first Evil Dead, which I think confuses a lot of people. And then you go right into Evil Dead 2. So if you know Evil Dead 1, it's a group of people going to a cabin in the woods, a bunch of, I think, teens or college-age people. They get to the cabin. They're there, obviously, to hook up, have some fun, you know, drink some booze, have some sex. They find a tape recorder from a professor that apparently used to live there. They discover that he had been researching the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. He had found it in a castle and had brought it back to this cabin, which I don't even think, guys, do we even know where this movie takes place? Nope. Nope. Um, in the first one, when they're looking at the map, they say that they're right out, they just uh, crossed over into Tennessee. So, Appalachian. Sure. Appalachia. So they play the tape. Some words are read from the Necronomicon. It awakens something in the forest. It comes and possesses multiple members of the group. They start killing each other. They become what they what is known in the Evil Dead universe as Deadites. And you essentially end the first movie with Ash being the only one alive, and then the evil awakens again comes out of the forest and comes for him. The second one in Evil Dead 2, I think what confuses people is that they didn't have the budget or the rights to the first movie. So they couldn't do what they wanted to do. So in Evil Dead 2, what they wanted to do was cut in scenes from the first movie and then start the second movie. They couldn't get the rights. They didn't have the budget to bring back five people like the first movie. So essentially, Sam Raimi just said, fuck it. I'm going to revise all of the story of the first one. And for the first seven minutes, I'm going to show you a very revised recap of the first movie. And the second movie doesn't actually start until, again, the evil rises from the forest at the quote unquote end of the first movie. And it possesses Ash. And you start with Bruce Campbell on fucking Red Bull and crack and you get a total like redo of the first movie, quote unquote redo of the first movie. But what it's supposed to be is one continuous night from Evil Dead 1 all the way through Evil Dead 2. I love it. I think it's, again, like I said, it's one of the best uh, horror comedies of all time. And it, it rightfully thrust Raimi and Bruce Campbell into their legendary status. I love Evil Dead 2. Um, it, it's going to seem a little random, but uh, this weekend, in a couple days, uh, I'm going to see the Flaming Lips perform. And uh, one time I uh, had the chance to open for the Flaming Lips at a festival. And um, I started talking to Wayne Coyne and Steve Drozd, and their recollection of Portland, Maine, was they went to Geno's and took mushrooms and went to some guy's house and watched the Evil Dead 2. Uh, so we immediately, you know, began talking about horror movies. So uh, this is a great, uh, you know, horror movies are a great language of the weird. This time watching Evil Dead 2, I almost found it a little annoying. I liked it, but in almost like, like I can't watch like Ren and Stimpy anymore. Or like I can't listen to Primus anymore because it's just too much going on. 
and it's too over the top. But when it came out, I was all about like this over the top zaniness. And uh, I did notice that it had aged a little bit more than I had remembered. Um, and uh, Trent had been egging us on uh, very aggressively about uh, <laughs> us. He can't believe that we picked two before we talked about one. So I also went back and watched one. And I also agree. I thought that one actually made it, it actually made two seem uh, cheaper in a stylistic way, not in a budget way, but in just like a, a lower brow way. I thought the, the first one almost had like exorcist vibes at certain points and it was much more Demons. genuinely Demons yeah genuinely scary uh uh almost like some romero type zombie stuff going on um i do still love to i still love uh to i love that um over the course of his career uh sam raimi has gotten um he's walked the line between getting big production but still keeping an, an essence there that is what he does. And I think that, you know, this is where that started is Evil Dead 2. Um, it's super zany. And it and where it wins over the first one, I think, in, in the grand scheme is it has more memorable, like, cult status scenes, like pop culture, like, iconic scenes. Uh, it, like images you can just grab from the movie and throw on a t-shirt and it rules. Um, you know, that like that kind of thing. Um, I love the ending to Evil Dead 2, um, but uh, we have Army of Darkness on right here, which is the third in the trilogy. Um, Army of Darkness ruins the end of Evil Dead 2 for me because I like that they went there and then ended there and it was totally absurd but it was still horror and it was just like kind of a what the fuck ending. Uh, I, I wish that the whole thing ended there. I thought that that was a great ending. I loved it. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anyone who hasn't seen evil dead Two. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love it. It's fun. Uh, it's, it's not scary. I would say this is less scary than even drag me to hell. I, I think that there's so much like claymation going on that it's hard to be scared of claymation and, and green goo for me. Um, but like I said, it's iconic. Um, it is really Sam Raimi's final form um, as far as like what would go on to even like the, the superhero stuff we're talking about and all the other stuff. There's mm. a, a style that... Uh, I think that he developed in this and like a sensibility and a sense of humor that defined who Sam Raimi was. And I love this. Yeah. I mean, a few movies have had the impact on me personally of evil dead Two and the evil dead. The first one too. both of these movies are in that category of movies that I can vividly remember the first time I saw the evil dead and evil dead Two. I remember where I was, who I was with. I remember seeing specific scenes for the first time in both of these movies, particularly Evil Dead 2, because now you're starting to get groovy and I'll swallow your soul. You're starting to get like the lines, swallow this and, and that kind of stuff. I remember like yeah. 
being back in school on Monday and like doing the lines with my friends, you know, or like doing bits of dialogue. Dead by Dawn. Yeah, exactly. Right. That was like Monday after the sleepover where we watched this. Right. (laughs) We were doing the dialogue and stuff like that. And this is absolutely, this is what the public consciousness remembers about Evil Dead is Ash with the chainsaw arm and the sawed off shotgun. That is what is now known as Evil Dead. and, And it's a much campier comedy version, but I think this movie has a lot of what makes Sam Raimi different as a horror filmmaker. Sam Raimi came up as a a comedy when he was an amateur filmmaker, when he was making movies with Bruce Campbell and with his brothers. Um, They had a whole, like, crew of friends. We talked about that when we talked about uh, Green Room. Jeremy Saulnier came up the same way. These were guys that, instead of having a band, they had a Super 8 camera, and they would make all these movies, and Bruce Campbell was always the star, and... The, the Raimi brothers were involved and their friend um, Spiegel was involved. Scott Spiegel. Yeah. Who, who co-wrote this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they had a whole crew and they would do comedy movies. So when, when they made Evil Dead, it's, and it's interesting to, to go back and, and listen to Sam Raimi talk about it, they were really exploiting a market that they thought, okay, if we're going to make an indie film and we're just going to go around to local merchants in our area that the Raimi family knows and we're going to get money if we're going to try to make a splash and we're trying to get something distributed and picked up what would be the genre that would be the most likely you know for us to have some small success they decided it would be horror and that's why they made Evil Dead so by the time you get to Evil Dead 2 which is six years later they had already like fumbled their early stardom with um, Crime Wave. I don't know if anybody's seen Crime Wave. That was after Evil Dead. Yeah, that was written really? uh, with the Coen Brothers. The yes. Coen Brothers and the Raimis wrote Unknown Crime Coen Wave. Coen Brothers. Yeah, because they all live together. That's how they. Yes, right. So that was a huge flop. So by '87, they've they've squandered their. You know, Stephen King made them. We talked about this with with Clive Barker. Stephen King has made so many people. Stephen King did a um, a. a, a review of the first Evil Dead after it premiered at Cannes. Most terrifying movie ever. Right. This is the future of horror. Like, same thing he did with with, um, Clive Barker. And Raimi says, like, that essentially gave them a career, but it was lagging by the mid to late 80s. They, You know, the crime wave didn't work out. And so I actually have a theory about this movie. Not only is it, like, obviously hearkening back to their, like, the comedy kind of beginnings that these guys like they were three stooges they weren't last house on the left these guys were not really into that stuff um i think that they saw the texas chainsaw massacre 2 released in 1985 evil dead 2 is to evil dead what texas chainsaw massacre 2 is to texas chainsaw massacre but i was thinking today how funny it is that this second movie was super zany and it blew up huge. Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre 2 was pretty much a flop. Tanked. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this did, and this was like, they didn't even submit this movie for a rating because they knew that if they submitted it for a rating, they would get an X. So Stephen King, once again, stepped in. Stephen King got them a meeting with this, like, Italian um, distributor. Dino De Laurentiis. Right, Dino De Laurentiis picked up this movie and oh, said, God. okay, w- you know, we can do this and let's not even submit it for a rating. This is an unrated film. So that, um, you know, prohibits like it's theater showings. It's not just that they knew it would get an X. Stephen King, who was directing Maximum Overdrive at, at the, the time, time yes, his directorial right, right, debut, right, which is terrible. Uh, he went to De Laurentiis and said, "You've got to give these guys funding for this." Right. They wanted right. to make Army of Darkness, 
Yes. De Laurentiis said, no, let's do something more like the Cabin in the Woods thing. And when he saw Raimi's vision, he said, this will never get past the MPAA. This is one of the purported to be one of the first movies that was going to get an X rating that wasn't a porno. So De Laurentiis started a shell, a fake company. Rosebud. Called Rosebud. Yeah. And basically said, yeah, we'll put it out through this so we can get it put out unrated. Yeah, so at the beginning, at the the start of this movie, there's a little video like Rosebud production or whatever that Raimi himself just filmed a time-lapse flower. That was all fake. And of course, Rosebud being a reference to Citizen Kane. So uh, my theory that I've never seen advanced anywhere else, but I'm going to advance it here. I think that some people saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and they decided that we can lean even harder into our comedy sensibilities. We can go even harder into our slapstick, Three Stooges stuff that we love. And at the same time, we can go even harder into the gore and the buckets and geysers of blood and stop motion animation and beheadings and chopping up bodies. We can like do both of those things as hard as possible and that will be Evil Dead 2. And I think that's part of why it made such an impact on me personally and everyone else. This is a great one. You know, it's kind of hard. Like some of these movies that make such an impact and you see them so many times and you see them through stages of your life. You know, is, do I find this captivating right now to sit down and watch at home? You know, it's, it's kind of like listening to something that you've already listened to a million times. You know, it, it, it does wear a little bit over time. I thought the Ren and Stimpy example was, was very good or, or Primus. You know, you put on something like that. Yeah, Those are is, spot on. This is a little obnoxious, to be honest, right now. If I'm not at a drive-in, you know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But this is, you know, this is God-level stuff, and it was a lot of fun. I like that hot take, Trent. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I love the Evil Dead. I also love the Evil Dead 2. They are both obviously very similar. Um, Did I think they had to, you know, make a whole nother intro to set up the second movie in the beginning? Probably not. I feel like maybe we could have figured some things out, but we got some nice extra, you know, goriness from it. So who am I to judge? They obviously changed some things up, but I think um, both had the same, you know, goofy gag gore that we all know and love. Um, Obviously, the one scene I'm glad they left out uh, for the sequel was the weird tree rape scene, and that's all I'm going to say about that. While I do think that the OG Evil Dead is more, you know, quote-unquote scary, like a little less gaggy, like gag scares than the other one, I got to give the second one its own spookiness props. Uh, when little baby cat saw this movie it scared the shit out of me for sure i will always be haunted by that stupid laughing deer um on the wall just (laughs) giggling its way into my horrible nightmares um still very scary to me now uh it's just and also just the grotesque zombie like prosthetics that we see throughout the whole movie it just uh made made me unable to fall asleep when I was younger and upon my rewatch I've seen it, you know, multiple, multiple times since then. But for this specific rewatch, I have been quarantined in my house alone. And I did try to watch it last night as I was falling asleep and I had to turn it off because wow. I was alone in this Was the house. Casco Bay Bridge gone? <laughs> 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 
curled up. <laughs> it's it's still hold, so it still holds up. If you're in the right circumstance, Evil Dead Two will absolutely scare the shit out of you. Really, um, I think it's still yeah. scary a little bit. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think it's still scary. Huh. For sure. Like if we took a little trip out into a little cabin in the woods and we threw this on. I'd probably none of this shit's gonna ever poop. happen. But you know, ever. you know what's scary though to me about both Evil Dead movies, and I love the woods themselves are mm. possessed. It's not that there's a crazy maniac. Terrifying. It's that the woods are possessed, and whenever to this day, whenever I see the camera point of view on the ground moving over the ground, okay, this is like one of Raimi's big things that everybody copies yeah. now. The shaky cam, it's called. They strapped a camera to like a board and they would carry it low to the ground through the woods so that it looks like this evil and the smoke is coming up from the leaves. I mean, that's mm -hmm. scary. But also, here's what Raimi did in both movies we t we're talking about tonight. Sound design. Yes, it's big. It's such fucked yeah. up original sound. And yeah, like, Dave, yeah. you talked about mm -hmm. it last week, like Texas Chainsaw. They would hit like a splash cymbal, which in a band setup, you would stop your song and look at your drummer and be like, bro, why would you do that? But in That's the, why you do it in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because it's yes. jarring. Or like that. <laughs> pew! Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, like that old Raimi's sound. sound design and the yeah. Trent, like it Good scared call. the shit out of me as a kid when yeah. I first saw Whichever, and I don't remember if I saw Evil Dead 1 or 2 first or second, but that like like almost like a revving like evil noise coming when like everything's coming from the forest but there's so much sound design in this whether it's scary or funny in evil dead 2 that's so good it's so like not only his camera and the things that he did with peter deming who did all of Raimi's um cinematography including drag me to hell it's all just so it it started something it started something and and maybe texas chainsaw started some of that and Raimi took it from that but in his movies there's just so many original sounds and scares that uh endure there's also so many parts where i'm just like how did bruce campbell do this it's like like when he's doing the thing in the kitchen where he's grabbing yes. the back of his shirt. And he flips and, himself and over. flips himself over. What the mm -hmm. fuck? And it's like, how do you even do that? Like, I didn't see any stunt double. The possessed like, hand scene is one of the... Uh, it's amazing. It's legendary. And Raimi claims that Campbell uh, improv the entire thing. And that was a one take. Amazing. That was a one take, wow. Jake. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy to me that he stole that from Idle Hands, which came out in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Devin Sawa gets no love. So this mm -hmm. movie Crime Wave that you're talking about, I just put it on here. I remember this from being a kid, and it's one of those movies that I was like, I wish I knew what this was because I loved Crime Wave. Huh. And they were just at the Hudsucker Penitentiary. So there's like yeah, lots there's the tying the into all these yeah. Sam Raimi yeah. and, and Coen brothers. Well, I yeah. mean, Raimi's great at tying things in. I mean, like you said, like it's horror, what he does. horror yeah. families. Like yeah. We chatted about it a little bit before, but honestly, just like going back, I think my favorite part about the whole Evil Dead franchise in general is absolutely the blood. For sure. There's just so much blood. There's always so much blood. There's red blood, fluorescent blood, green blood, blue blood. Dave black hates blood. it, but... Black blood. The hole in the I, wall. I, I don't mind black blood. I'll take black blood. Black I'm fine blood. With that. Black blood. 
It's just like gallons, in, in Lake literal like, gallons. Oh, that's yeah, blood. there's gallons, of geysers, and gallons yeah. of blood in this movie. I love the stop motion animation. We talked about that with King Kong when you guys were not so thrilled. This is why I think this is why I love stop motion animation so much because both Evil Dead movies use it to such great effect. Oh, I, and I can't Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, even like the bridge out scene. That is one is stamped in my mind when he gets to that bridge. Now this happens in both movies, but in the second movie, when he gets to that bridge and there's that like distant shot, and both sides of the bridge are curled up over. Oh man, that this, is gold. This is an old movie, and I don't usually remember thinking about production when I was a kid watching these movies. Yeah, I never thought about there was no difference between. Yeah, it's like watching Texas uh, Chainsaw Massacre and shit. What is it? Uh, Clash of the Titans. Right, and I had no, I had no notion of production, but I do remember always thinking the Evil Dead was like the sickest looking movie. Yeah, like all the yeah, scenes, yeah. like uh, just the car going across the bridge in the beginning. And you know it's fake, but you still. Yeah, I don't know what's fake like, about it. Like the the car is just driving across the bridge, but it's super cinematic and it's almost like stylized, like, the like moon and everything. Like yeah, it just looks so almost cool. in the way that like a yeah. Sin City or a Three Hundred yes, are like exactly. stylized well, in a way about that makes Bram Stoker's it, Dracula. Right. Yes. Right. Same. Yeah. And and by the same token, another thing to me when you when you see this at a young age, like. The, the satire and the parody, the send-up aspect of it is not as obvious. Like, there's a certain age um, where, like, I just took Evil Dead 2 pretty seriously. I knew that it had, like, fun lines to do with your friends and stuff like that. And I knew that it was, you know, kind of a little bit of comedy. But I saw very little difference between this and, like, Mad Max or, you know, The Road Warrior with the sawed-off shotgun. I think that's one of the movies. There's a scene at the end in particular that's, like, it's so Mad It's so Road warrior um, you kind of just put all that stuff in the same blender and it's only like later you realize like how like no it's actually supposed to be funny but I just saw eyeballs flying out going into mouths and stuff like I'm like whoa the eyeball scene it's just like uh, Dead and Buried that we talked about mm-hmm. it's done in reverse mm-hmm. so like the eye oh. scene mm. from Dead and Buried that we talked about that that one uh, was also done in total reverse so it was like a spit out and then done in reverse. Basket case, another stop motion, mid eighties masterpiece. Right. I love that. I don't know how I feel about uh, the clay. Well, as soon as it, be, I, I call it, like, you call I it claymation. It, yeah, there was a thing. lot of this that yeah. was claymation. I feel like. Yeah, the stop motion, like, like the, the elongated neck. I, mm-hmm. and, oh, I loved that. I think uh, that's great. I love that stuff. Well, I, I kind of didn't like how, it, like, when it changed faces, it had like a cool face at first, and an elongated neck, and then it's like. And then you can tell it goes from like yeah, one like style the dick neck, to like another. The, the dick monster or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like more the stuff like the extreme blood Cat was talking about. I like when he's uh, getting flown through the woods and he's like spinning around. And like, I think that's. But that, really that, that's, the, that's the stuff that like really, I think, launched Raimi. I mean, it's almost those like are Monty very, Python. Those are very yeah. subtle. Those are signature very, things that set yeah, them apart from other movies being made. Scenes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That that set this apart from uh, you know. I think Evil Dead Two is one of the greatest horror movies of the '80s for sure. I think you have to, if you're talking about Evil Dead Two, you have to talk about like The Thing, and 
Nightmare on Elm Street, I would say. I think Evil Dead, the first one, is one of the greatest horror movies of all time ever made. I don't know if I would say that about two. I would say it's one of the greatest of the 80s. I, I do think it's better. I do think it's you th- better. Oh, you still think two is better than the first one? I do, yeah, really? I do. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't think I'd ever seen one all the way through um, because I was like, oh, this is just a cheap version of a movie that I thought was like very expensive and that's what was dope about it. So I never watched the first one all the way through until Trent started talking shit. And then I went and watched it and... I, I got, thought yeah, it was. I, got a I thought mad. it was. I, uh, I thought it was great. It was a little bit grimier. It's grimier. It's more like demons or something. It has that like, yeah. almost like you know Italian vibe. It's like yes. it's much scarier. Yeah. It's like not like as much of the jokes and the you know swallow this and all that. I I guess I guess <laughs> I would say that I prefer to because knowing how much of a low budget and how much of a family affair the first one was. And then knowing what the balls they had to go do the second one hmm. and do it like that. I think that's what makes me appreciate it. I, if, if two didn't exist and I only had one, I would say one. Yeah, absolutely. I thought there was a major King Kong reference in this too. Speaking of the stop motion again, there's a scene where the well, giant hand comes into the cabin. De Laurentiis produced seventy yeah, sixes. Yeah, Kong. that's totally King Kong. There's there's a lot of love in this movie. We've told the uh, Easter egg story before, the Wes Craven Easter egg story, where young Sam Raimi saw The Hills Have Eyes, the, the Wes Craven movie, and he thought that it was one of the most horrifying things he'd ever seen. There's a scene in that movie where Craven has the Jaws poster ripped up in the trailer, and I think it's pretty ballsy of Raimi as a first-time filmmaker. He decided that he would then have the Hills Have Eyes poster torn up in the basement of the first Evil Dead movie, and then uh, Wes Craven, what a guy, responded by putting Evil Dead in Nightmare on Elm Street on the TV, and I I actually saw an interview where uh, before Evil Dead 2 where Raimi was telling this whole story. And so we're not making this up. This is not just lore. This actually happened. You can you can see Raimi talking about this. And before he made Evil Dead 2, he said in an interview, I don't know how I'm going to respond yet to, to a nightmare on Elm Street, but I'll think of something. So here you go, Evil Dead 2. If you are watching for it, Freddy Krueger's glove is hanging up in the shed of Evil Dead 2. I think that was the, the where it ended. That is one of my favorite parts of horror movie culture. Yes. That I've mostly learned or noticed since doing the podcast is the Easter eggs and the homages to each other. Yeah. And it makes it like uh, just such a, a, community. a culture and like such a, uh, an it's amazing It's like having thing. one of your favorite singers guest on one of your other favorite band's songs. Right. right. Uh, and the, the rumor there that's never been confirmed as far as I could tell is that Mark Shostrom, a legendary effects person was working on nightmare on elm street three and evil dead two at the same time yes and that he took the glove (laughs) from the set for a day just to shoot it for that scene in evil dead two so there's like a new uh there well there's ash versus the evil dead love it uh I, i like the first season okay it gets a little wacky after that but there's also uh a new 
Evil Dead coming to HBO. Evil Dead Rises. Yeah, that's the horror con industrial complex that just you know. Oh, it's, let's it's have hope. There. Let's it's, have uh, hope. Let's be positive. <laughs> I don't have time for TV. Maybe, maybe okay. it'll be what? great. It's not a TV show. It's a movie. Right? It's a movie. Oh, yeah. it's oh, a movie. oh, oh, oh! Evil Dead Rises. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah right. That's that's and the it, next. It's installment. taking right, the right. Evil Dead to the city. There's no cabin in the woods. Oh. We're going to the big city. <gasps> evil Dead Ooh. in the city takes Manhattan. I <laughs> two sisters. Yeah. Oh fuck. Well, just ruined it. One yeah. of the lasting impacts that this movie had on me as a kid, the combination of Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead, the first one, um, HP Lovecraft, you know, which I was kind of into, yeah. and all the like heavy metal music that I was listening to all combined. I was looking for this Necronomicon book for many years. Like, I'd be like at the like local, like, uh, you know, s- small town library, I'd be at the card catalog, like. Necronomicon. Where's the Necronomicon? I used to look for Did stuff like that, that too. Yeah. My grandmother used to bring me to like antique stores and like <laughs> yeah. flea markets, like, and I would always be looking for like <laughs> the satanic. Do you book. have a Necronomicon, by any chance? The Book of the Dead, <laughs> as it's known. <laughs> like somewhere, this book is going to have all the answers of the dead, and I got to find it. Um, did you guys notice a farewell to arms? Yes, yes and I never uh, really yes. actually thought about it until me now. either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it's obvious and funny, and you know this this whole movie is I, to me funny. I, there's no moment ever where I'm scared in this. When movie. he when he cuts off his own hand, the hand is possessed, and he cuts it off, and he has to put a uh, a bucket over it, and he weighs down the bucket with a stack of books. The top book, a farewell to arms. Mm. Get it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> So Evil Dead Two, um, where we were we were angry about Evil Dead One. We had different opinions. Um, Evil Dead the remake, Fidi Alvarez. What did you? What do you guys? Are but you guys we're going to talk about that next week. Yeah, right? we can't give it away now. Man, the sequel. This is the thing. You kind of like took all the. You know, I was ready to come in here tonight. I thought we were going to argue. About because I was mad because I watched. Oh, so you're mad that I'm agreeing with you? I am. I'm mad oh. that you agree. Yeah, because it's always got to we'll be mad to about something. I agree you know, to agree. I, I watched. <laughs> the, um, these are both on. Uh, well, disagree to agree. Evil Dead Two is on HBO. We should mention Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two are both on HBO Max right now. And Army of Darkness. And but Army you have of, to the search for on fantasy, like not the horror section. So I, I watched uh, both Evil Dead movies like only about a year ago. They were both on Hulu. Now they're both on HBO. And Kevin and I went to see Evil Dead 2 at the drive-in last fall. And I had so much fun. Like I think that that, to me, is the way to see Evil Dead 2. If you, I guess maybe only if you've seen it a bunch like I have. But when you see it on the big screen at the drive-in, you're in that vibe. It's so much fun. But um, this week I watched Evil Dead 2, and then I watched Evil Dead right after it. And I was like... The first one is so much better as a legit horror film. I can't believe we are not going to talk about The Evil Dead. We're going to talk about the sequel. Uh, and so I was like pretty mad uh, for uh, several hours. And I thought I was, I was going to come in here tonight and really air it out. But then, you know, Dave ruined it by being like, yeah, you know, it is kind of better in that way. And so then that kind of like took my whole... Uh, my whole take out of the show. It almost makes me wish that Evil Dead 2 didn't exist because I feel like it steals a lot of its thunder. And I know why it does. Yes. It's because of 
pop culture and like yes. things that just caught on almost like like a viral video or something like but that's phrases that's, and yeah, everything yeah. well it makes it me was, think that Raimi never wanted to be a horror filmmaker in the first place he right. that's the thing he didn't he was he was doing horror because that seemed like the thing to do and i hey i think it's cool that there aren't that many sequels that supersede the original in the public consciousness this is a sequel that when most people think of evil dead and ash this is what they think of not the first one i i fully went in i'm last week when we were talking about what we're going to do this week and we brought this up i completely dismissed evil dead one you did like I, it didn't yeah. even exist like no way we'd talk about that <laughs> We're talking about two. That's the one. I went well, to. I was dreaming about. And I watched. You. You look at like. My you agreed. T- like you look at my T-shirt. He's got his boomstick up. You look at the, the toys. That That's are out the image. There. If you Google the, Evil Dead, the, you get the mostly metal things glove from, Evil from Dead Army of yes. Darkness or yes. yeah. the chainsaw arm, like. That's what you uh, like. There's just an enduring iconic image. Of this character, yeah, and that's great. I mean, that's and an it's ho- it's hard to go all the way back and be like, all right, well, here it's almost like Freddy. Like one, of, one of you brought it up, like Nightmare on Elm Street. Like you don't think about Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street one. You think about like Freddy with his video games. He's a fucking meatball. And, yeah, yeah, like, that, like that's spaghetti. what you think about. That's why and I hate so, Freddy. He comes out of like, spaghetti. Trent, you might be right. <laughs> Somewhere. We got duped. Terrible we got duped snake. this week into talking about the caricature. No, Rick of rolled. Is that what you said? We, I, I got Rick got rolled. rolled. I didn't say Rick. I, I just I said, said I we, got rolled. I, I got we, rolled on some bullshit. We got, we, I think you said we got podcast rolled. It's not. You know, it's not easy with four people always deciding. You know, sometimes you just have to say okay, and you, you um, can't just is, bring up your Trent at uh, his nicest yeah. right now. I feel like you went back and watched them again, and then came back. No, no, I was unhappy. I was. I said, you... "Well, don't we have to talk about Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two if we're going to do a Sam Raimi episode?" And you're like, eh, "I do like Evil Dead," and I was like, "Okay." Cat right. was like, "I won't even watch it." Cat says something real like final. Oh, shots fired. Okay, let's, I don't think, let's keep this peaceful. I was trying. I was trying. I was trying for this section to be nice. Have you seen it, Cat? Yeah, she Have said she's seen, seen them both. The, the Evil Dead, the, the original. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said that. I got it. I got hey. on VHS, bruh. And you, yeah, but you said you didn't love it last week. You and didn't. You said, He's making that. That didn't no, no, happen. No, no, no. You that said that didn't happen. You said that you definitely wanted to talk about Evil Dead too. I oh, did Number okay. one was I, like, well, uh, I will like, say you dismissed it somehow. I'm not. Um, Body language. I w- I definitely blacked out on yeah, my was, drive home. Cat did not. So have, I can't be. That was trusted. not consensual. <laughs> she was high on COVID. I was. Um, I'm not going to listen to last week's episode because I think I teeter off towards the end there with my oh, box I you of did wine. Fantastic. That's the magic of post-production, Cat. Nobody would have known <laughs> that you were totally out of fucking control. You were totally <laughs> horrific. 